Hey, hey. Hi, Meeks. <laughs> Welcome. I'm so excited about today's guest, Christy Melby Givens, who is the executive director of Trickoby Cafe and such a joy. She mm. just is, she just embodies joy, doesn't she? Embodies joy, embodies generosity, embodies this idea of radical hospitality, which we will talk about in this interview. If you haven't been to Trickleby Cafe, it's a pay-what-you-can cafe and community space that opens its doors to neighbors and patrons alike, no matter where you are, where you come from, how much money you have. Everybody is welcome in this space. And it's also a cool community space in the evenings and on weekends. They open it up outside those hours for fun events and and to support other entrepreneurs. So yeah, yeah. this is just a truly a joyful conversation and perfect for this time of year when people are thinking about generosity, gift giving. Mm. What a yeah. what a what a place that's doing that every day. Every day. All right, Christy Melby Gibbons. We're just trying to figure out somebody shouted your name out. Mm. We think it was at the She Stands Tall event and you'd been on our list for a long time. And, but it yep. was just the, like, just the push we needed to make it happen. So awesome. um, yeah. thanks for being here. And we noticed that Britt Nicole's poem is on your website. Yes. And yeah. she was on recently too. So that's so cool. Yeah. We have one of her phrases from a recent poetry book. She published on our mural on the wall as well outside. Oh, cool. Oh, I haven't seen the mural. It's really cool. There's this giant butterfly that you can stand in front of, and above the butterfly are her words. It says, I was clothed with a new grace. Oh. Um, and then nice. the rest of the mural is a pirate ship with <laughs> this vegan pirate standing on the top named <laughs> Pumpkin Boot. She's a made-up character by one of our staff members. We have a vegan pirate adventure comic book series that we're working on. <laughs> and book, book one is out. It came out with our cookbook this past um spring wow a v wow. wait let me say that again a vegan pirate, pirate adventure comic. adventure yeah <laughs> uh, what? i, I mean that. how is a how is a, a vegan pirate different than a regular pirate other than that she doesn't eating? eat meat that's it that's it okay all right yeah. no fish but she still plunders and and, and yeah. <laughs> you know she goes to pirating school and she goes around the world fighting evil and finding exotic okay. vegetables and Oh, I love it. That's a really fun idea. How cool. Yeah, it started when the shutdown happened in 2020. We wanted to retain our staff, but nobody knew what was going on back then with COVID. So everybody just closed their doors and we're like, well, we can't just stop working. So we said, let's use our artistic abilities and do something. So we we did the comic book and a cookbook in those months. Oh, that's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, That's so fun. Well, Christy, you are a certified dreamer for sure. We like to see <laughs> you as this person making dreams happen in Milwaukee as the founder, right, of mm-hmm. Trickleby Cafe. Mm-hmm. And you're also a pastor in the Moravian Church, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a mom. Yep. And, and I, I can't wait to talk to you about your dreams because I just see the dreams that you're dreaming. We really love dreams that make the world and make the city a more beautiful and compassionate and lovely place. And your dreams are just totally inspiring for me to think about. So I can't wait to hear about what you all have in store. But just for our guests who may have never um, run across Trickleby or, or you, um, I just want to read your Trickleby mission statement. 
mm-hmm. which is we offer space to foster community, connections, goodwill, and a love for real food with simple ingredients. By offering an inclusive and welcoming space, we hope to bring health, positivity, and peace to our neighborhood. And Trickleby is in Sherman Park, technically, yeah? Yeah, yeah technically. Oh. It's kind of on that far corner where we're almost Washington Park, almost Washington Heights. <laughs> we're like yeah. right there, but it's Sherman Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't say in the mission statement, but it's a pay-what-you-can cafe. Yes. So we there are paragraphs all over about what we do. Our official mission statement is that we are a pay-what-you-can community cafe that offers healthy meals, food service training, and spiritual nourishment. Beautiful. Beautiful, mm. beautiful. Love that. So how did this dream of Trickle B start? Oh, it probably started decades before I was aware that it started. Um, when I was a little girl, I often pretended I had a restaurant, apparently. <laughs> I had <laughs> a whole bunch of play food, I had a little play set. And it, was, um, it wasn't just like a little thing I did. I really went hard at it. I had printed menus. I would make my parents come and order and they had to eat the food, <laughs> sit there until uh. they were done. Um, I had specials that were offered. <laughs> wow. It was kind of funny. Um, and then they found that box of food, you know, 10 years ago under their bed and said, you should put this in the cafe. So we now have a play area with uh, all that oh, 1980s play food. So I've always, awesome. I've always had a passion for cooking and preparing food and plating food and bringing people around a table of all different walks of life. I grew up on a homestead in in the woods of Northeast Iowa, really close to where Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote her books and grew up. So very much Little House on the Prairie. We grew a lot of our own food. We had meals together as a family around the table every single day. And I think that really instilled in me the importance of eating together um, Mm. with family or whoever. We were often friends at our table. And so as I got out into the world after college and started, um, pursuing ministry. I'm an ordained minister. One of the ministries we sort of fell into at the church I was serving in Southern California was a food ministry. There was a grocery store and a Cuban bakery within about a mile of the church. And they had food where the the date had passed on the food, Mm. like the sell-by date. So they couldn't legally sell it, but the food was fine. So we would pick it up every week and it would offset their waste costs as well. They didn't have to pay as much for their dumpsters to be emptied if we took the food away. Mm. So we two cars full a week. We'd bring it back to the church building and we'd put a sign out that said free food and neighbors would come. And we often found that there was stuff left over like the kale and the hummus and the Brussels sprouts and all these sort of <laughs> odd things for the Southern California palate. So we said, let's just make a meal out of all these things that are left over. And it tended to be a vegetarian meal. So we started doing that and we we named it Open Table. We'd open the doors and anyone could come in off the street to eat. Mm. And it was by far my favorite thing that I did in that call. Um, mm. We maybe served 20 to 30 people each week when we were having that meal. And it was just a really big table and people from so many different backgrounds gathered together that would never rub elbows together at a table otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that's why I loved it. Uh, There were neighbors who were unhoused, neighbors who were not yet legally documented in the U.S., rich people who were lonely. I mean, just everybody Mm -hmm. there together Mm -hmm. eating because everybody eats. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that idea that 
everybody eats, so why don't we eat together and scavenge food? I looked online and found there's a network that does that. It's called One World Everybody Eats. Mm, (laughs) So I reached out and started going to their annual summits and totally fell in love with the people. Felt like I sort of fell in with my my tribe of people um, who believe have the audacity to believe that everybody needs to eat good food. <laughs> mm. oh, the audacity. So, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so I'm still tight with all of those people and they all have cafes all over the U S and we meet still every year. And I used to go as a participant and now I'm going as a, a panelist, you know, presenting what we do and inspiring other people. So there yeah. are a couple cafes that have opened uh, because of what we do at Trickleby, which is nice to see. Wow. Wow. And on uh, with it's every, one world everyone eats is the name of the network. Yes, one world everybody eats. Everybody eats. Okay, mm-hmm. and you can you look and see what cities have places yep. like Trickleby? Yeah, yeah. There's like a live map. Um, you can oh, cool. f- click find a cafe. I think is the link, and it'll show you okay. ones that are already operating, and then there are some that are in the startup phase that are um, just you know filing their paperwork and finding a space. Yeah. Well, and so that was in. LA and you're from Iowa. How, where did, where did Milwaukee come into the picture? Yeah. How did the farm girl get out (laughs) to LA and then back to the Midwest? So, um, my first job as a pastor, I took a call out there. That's, it's a little strange for clergy. We move wherever there are openings and there was Mm. one there and I took that call. It was okay. Um, the weather is always sunny. You get a little tired of that if you're used to seasonal changes. Mm. So, our families were back here in the Midwest too. We wanted to to keep that food idea going, that feeding everybody model, but we wanted to do it back in the Midwest where we're from. I mm. feel like the fiber of the Midwest people is more aligned with who we are than the folks in Southern California were. So we came back um, sort of as researchers. We were looking in different cities like where could we do this? And we looked at the Twin Cities and they're sort of saturated with other ministries and 501c3s and we didn't think they needed anything else added. Mm. When we looked at Milwaukee, it just sort of lined up. The people we met, the the potential spot to do this, uh, partners, everything sort of coalesced and it continues to coalesce um, now that we just passed our seventh year of operating. We're still feeling like we're exactly where we need to be. And it's oh. beautiful. Mm. And so who were those initial partners? Oh, so many. So um, some local art groups, like it used to be called um, Bloom Gallery, which is now Cloud Nine Workshop. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. Art, art creative space, mostly for youth, but anybody. Um, Alice's Garden, we mm-hmm. gardened there for several years. We gave up our plot a couple of years ago. They have a waiting list, and we now have a lot of garden beds on our own plot here. So we we let that one go, but we're still connected there um, through Venus Williams and a lot of the other growers. So Victory Garden Initiative mm. and um, so many. I mean, all the growers, like there's so many growers. Cream City Farms, um, David Johnson is a local farmer, Wellspring Farm, then um, – Three Sisters Community Farm, they were giving us their unclaimed CSA boxes. Mm. So it just felt like all this good stuff was trickling in because there's excess food in a lot of places in our city. And most people don't want to see the food get wasted. 
So they want to find a, a place to to receive it. And we are that place. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And I just heard you use the word trickle. Is that where yeah. the, the name comes from? Or tell us about the trickle bee. Yeah. I actually printed the story on our wall a few weeks ago because I tell the story so often. Um, we, when I was a very small child, my mom would speak of doing a difficult project. Like, you know, we're going to do that, but the trick will be finding enough money to do it or the trick will be getting the right tools. Oh, trickle bee in my child ear heard it as trickle bee one word trickle bee and so when we started envisioning <laughs> doing this pay what you can restaurant i said that'd be a really cute name and it's not it's a made-up word it's already you know we'd be the only people with that in the world so it's easy to incorporate <laughs> yeah um, so now that's the the sort of pun the trickle bee sustaining a restaurant where people don't actually have to pay anything to eat there yeah, I love and it. and it it elicits that image of like honey, you know, trickling down or water yes. trickling in, and um, and we have lots of diverse revenue streams and food streams, so all this stuff just trickles in every day to keep us thriving. Yeah, amazing. That's yeah. so fun. <laughs> That's so fun. Mm -hmm. Someday it'll be the Webster. Yeah. Dictionary word of the year. Let's totally. just yes. <laughs> uh, We had a, f a friend say, Why didn't you name it Gushelby? <laughs> and everything would just gush in. But I, 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 have, I prefer the, the trickling rhythm. It's actually it's really lovely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So well, I, I'm really curious to talk about that, just that reality of finances, how it works. How does it work? It, yeah, we call it trickle B economics <laughs> yes. because we know that trickle down economics doesn't work. I've actually gone to economics classes at local high schools and talked about trickle B economics because it works. Yeah. Mm. This model acknowledges that everyone who comes through the door has something to offer, that they're bringing value no matter how much money they have in their pocket or their bank account. So people sometimes bring us items from our wish list in exchange for a meal because they have food stamps and they can buy a thing and bring it over. Great. Mm -hmm. Some people drop in a 50 for their meal because that's what they have. They have full pockets, so they're sharing. That's awesome. That offsets the cost of other people. Sometimes children or homeless neighbors will come in and maybe they can't pay anything. Sometimes they do. They'll drop in some quarters and get a meal or two, and that's fine. It all balances out. And we bring in, we literally have a bucket on the podium where people check out we bring in more in that bucket every year than I think we will, like $50,000 a year what? just from people, you wow. know, dropping money wow. in the bucket. And I'm like, this, it's unreal. It's literally a bucket screwed down <laughs> and people just drop things. And I don't know how much people pay for their lunches, but I think that the expectation that everyone brings something, it's generosity. Like we are being generous and then other people, it just keeps going. Generosity mm. begets generosity. Mm. Uh, that being said, we cannot rely solely on what comes in through the bucket because we don't know what it will be from day mm. to day. Mm. So we have to still pay our light bills and our staff and everything else. So we have some grants that we write for. I'm probably writing for grants at least twice a month, some mm. small, some large foundations. But we're at a point where seven years in, we have two foundations in particular that uh, really believe in what we're doing and have partnered with us for so long that our application process is sort of like, okay, what do you need this year? Mm -hmm. Send us a couple lines. Okay, <laughs> general operating. Uh, we used to be very 
uh, project specific with our grants, but we run out of projects after a while and we, we just need the lights on at this yeah. point. Like we're, we're thriving and I've done a whole bunch of fix it things and painting things and new equipment things, but now we, we just need help keeping the lights on and the, the ovens going. So we have two big funders that help with staff wages and general operating costs and food costs. And then we do lots of small grants for little projects where we might need some supplies for an event or, you know, a youth engagement project in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, and I have no shame in asking people for money. I feel like I believe so much in this vision and it's such a good organization that I'll just tell the story. And, and if you have it, we would love for you to contribute because it all adds mm-hmm. to the beauty of this place. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know about some of the projects that you've got going on or well, ones that have, I, well, I, yeah. the one that you had last night was really amazing. Yeah, that was <laughs> fun. Talk about so, it. Some of them are quirky art things. So pre COVID, we were doing a lot more of these, but I'm an artist. I, I do beadwork. I paint, I draw, we do some sculpting with my children, whatever we can get our hands on. We're sort of junk reclamationists. We take things that people <laughs> throw out and we make them into beautiful things. So last night we we did an event called I'm Dreaming of a Less White Christmas, where we found all the figurines of Christmassy people that were pale skinned and blonde haired. And we said, why are they all like that? So we sat as a group of 13 people or so, and we painted their skin darker shades and their hair darker colors just to reflect um, the accuracy of like you know, Jesus's family being from ancient Palestine, right? They would have been darker and just have diversity of, you know, Christmas carolers and children's sledding, like everybody does those things. So that was Mm. fun. So I think everything we do has that little edge of like, um, kind of being conscious of including all people and lifting people up and Mm -hmm. valuing life. So we do those things. We have um, healthy choices workshops that we offer occasionally. So some of our chefs will come and share their expertise in vegan cooking. And maybe we've done whole classes on alternatives to dairy. Like what are the options now for butter, milk, and cheese that aren't from animals? And there's Mm -hmm. so many options and so many Mm -hmm. good ones. We did a class on using jackfruit as a meat substitute. We called it You Don't Know Jack. (laughs) Fruit. <laughs> that was fun um yeah lots of that kind of stuff and we we haven't gotten back into a, a regular gathering but we were doing a, a weekly creativity night before covid so just a gathering of anyone who wants to create mm. and um we would put out art supplies so people could just come sit and draw or cut things out and glue them or do beads or they could bring a project they're working on. Maybe someone's doing some needlepoint or a painting and they would sit near other creative people and just create things. And that was really fun. We find that we catch a lot of neighborhood youth in those gatherings who maybe otherwise wouldn't be doing um, savory things or might be getting in with some creepy people. And so we want to just be a little bright spot for them. Mm. And I love that over the years, some of those kids that came in through those art gatherings now come back as adults and they're coming in for hugs and, you know, mm, mm. filling us in on what they're doing in life. And it's just really beautiful. We were like a home base for a lot of these kids. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, so the, is the clientele or your patrons, are they mostly uh, folks who live in the neighborhood or do people come from all over or? It's a mix. And we, when we first opened, like I live in the neighborhood too. I'm, I'm 300 steps from my front door to this door. I count because I walk every day, at least twice. <laughs> um, when we first opened, we didn't do any big broadcasting. We just put flyers out in the neighborhood. We went around with a wagon, my three-year-old giving out little snack bags to neighbors with a flyer saying, Hey, we're opening on the corner. Um, and so when we, it was like a month where it was just neighbors eating here, literally mm. just people walking by to the bus stop or from work or before work. And then someone tipped us off to the news and we were like this big story around Christmas time. And then it got ridiculous for a while. We were getting people from everywhere. And then it sort of mellowed back out to be like mostly neighborhood people and some people coming in. And I would say now it's probably like 60 to 70% of our clientele are, are neighbors within a mile. Mm. And then a slew of other people just because they, you know, traveling through Milwaukee and they're looking up a vegan restaurant or they just like our food and they come from somewhere else. Mm. We have lots of regulars. There are people that are so regular that when they call, we, we just say the usual, <laughs> like <laughs> one of everything with a coffee, with oat milk and agave and a mint tea. Okay. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. And that's what, that's, what's cool. Our, we have one meal a day. So mm -hmm. Our menu changes every single day of the year. We've never served the same food twice in seven years. Even what? if we try to make it again, it wouldn't be the same because we have different <laughs> vegetables. So people literally come in and say one of everything. They just get mm. the whole plate of food. Yeah. 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 And there's beauty too, because they don't have to get it. It's not a soup kitchen where we're like, here's your food. You know, you they can still order what they want. They don't have to get the full plate. Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot that it's vegan. Mm -hmm. I um, and one might think that a vegan restaurant wouldn't thrive in Sherman Park. We had people come in like right up to my face the first couple months we were open, and back then we were actually just um, vegetarian. I think we actually served meat a couple times when someone donated it, but it was kind of gross. There was like you know blood <laughs> and <laughs> and like volunteers who had never worked in a kitchen trying to not cross contaminate. We said let's just not do meat. So we were doing some cheese for a while, maybe some egg. And then after a while, I'm like, even that makes me nervous. Let's just go vegan. So we did it. And people would come up to my face and say, this isn't going to work. Nobody wants this kind of food. No poor people in this neighborhood are going to eat here. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. But every day people come in and say, I'm so glad you're here because all we had was Wendy's, you know, that fast food restaurant down the street. We're so tired of eating what they offer. It's not nourishing. I feel sick when I eat there or the, the vegan options they offer are just bland. <laughs> so mm. the daycare across the street, the women who work there come over every single day they're open and get at least five of everything for all their staff and mm. sometimes come back if they really like it and get another order or two. Wow. So we're really, um, it's unique. We are unique in that it's pay what you can, but also the very healthy food options and very fresh. Everything is chopped that day fresh like our cook is in the kitchen right now with some volunteers washing the vegetables getting the dirt off maybe picking some caterpillars out of the kale you know and <laughs> washing it all up and chopping it and i think you can taste that in the meals too mm -hmm. as not from a bag or a can um, yeah necessarily there really is such a difference uh mm -hmm. i had the 
I've talked about this a lot. I clearly need to make this happen more in my life. But this summer, almost every week I would eat a farmer's market meal. Um, and it, mm. it it is astounding. Like you don't need mm-hmm. to do much to the food to make it yeah. taste delicious because it's, it's fresh. Yeah, <laughs> so much flavor. Things. Uh-huh. The less we do to a vegetable and the less it travels, the more it has to offer our palate and our, our stomachs. I think it's just... There's so much more nutrient in it because it hasn't been shipped out of it, frozen out of it, preserved mm-hmm. out of it. It's just all still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful. And so you you do training too for mm-hmm. food service or yeah, and it's cooking not, jobs. How does that work? It's not a formal process. Like we don't people don't graduate from our program with some kind of certificate per se, but we we are serve safe certified our staff so our mm-hmm. um, kitchen assistant our cafe manager our chefs and myself as executive director who sort of floats everywhere we all have the training so we know how to supervise people in a commercial kitchen and show them how to safely use knives and heat and um, mm-hmm. gloves and hair nets and all that so when people come in who've never worked in a commercial kitchen, they're learning these skills. And a lot of our volunteers come very regularly. Like every week we have almost the same volunteer core that comes and they could take those skills out into jobs. You know, they might go out and interview somewhere and already have that base of, Oh, I know how to work in a kitchen. Mm, It's really nice. And just teaching the basic like hygiene things and when to wear a glove and when to wash your hands. I think that's all, good and our even the design of our kitchen is uh we have like a couple windows cut out without glass just open spaces so people can see in as we're making food sometimes restaurant kitchens are all like you know walled off and doored off but everything's open people can see us and i think that added layer of um transparency makes people even trust us more like oh i know our food's being done right Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the health department, whenever they come, they're like, "This is such a clean kitchen. Like, we love your kitchen, <laughs> A plus. <laughs> yeah, we we never have any critters. It's really clean. In part because it's vegan, but we really are sticklers about cleaning well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, which is yeah. A, we, a great skill for everybody, right? Yeah, keep you healthy. And we, keep yeah, we share our kitchen too. So, in addition to doing some of that training, we find um, entrepreneurs from the neighborhood who need kitchen space that's uh, like a licensed kitchen for their yeah. food businesses and they use our space so um vitality is one of the kitchen oh, sure. sharers and that salsa lady oh, yeah. a oh, couple yeah. other folks yeah. um that you'd recognize the names who who cook here vegan soul catering mm-hmm. um this is a base for them too soulful kitchen and they're nice. all local people like milwaukee people Mm-hmm. Yep. And we um we sort of barter sometimes, like one for vegan soul, the chef Zakia, she will cook for us on Fridays in exchange for then use of our kitchen for her pop-up events, mm, which is beautiful. awesome. Yeah. And then other um and entrepreneurs, they might use our kitchen to make their product and then they'll leave some of their product that we can use in our menu and then we give them a shout out. So we want people to be able to um sustain themselves with their business and not pay a whole bunch of money renting kitchens out. So this is all a part of the trickle economy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Totally. And we, we, I remember one of our first interviews was, um, uh, Liv Menzia, who's a, a vegan ice cream maker. Mm. And she talked about just the importance of food 
kitchens as mm-hmm. a uh, a way for small businesses to get going. And yeah, so I, I, that's just incredible that you're generous with your space in that way too, and such mm-hmm. a boost for small businesses in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it just makes sense because you're you only serve lunch, am I right? So from like yes. eleven so to two. The hours are consistent, but they're definitely limited. So we're just Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 2, with the understanding that then those evenings and those few days at the front of the week, um, they're available either mm. for our gatherings or other food entrepreneurs to to do things. We've yeah. also hosted some you know, holiday gatherings or staff retreats for like the McCann and Brown Homeless Sanctuary staff. Different groups need a, a kind of intimate space and they'll give us a donation in exchange for using our dining room or our kitchen. And can they call on your um, chefs as well for those events? If they wanted food at their event? Sometimes that gets a little trickier because we're really all part-time. So sometimes we might be able to provide a little bit, but we're not like a, we're not yet at a point where we can really cater well, um, effectively, efficiently. Um, Cause we really value our time off too. Cause we spend, I mean, even just those four days for lunch, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And so I find myself on my Sundays and Mondays just sort of pulling myself in and saying, nope, not available. This is my day. <laughs> yes. Well, how important is that? I mean, we yeah, talk, yeah priorities, boundaries for sure. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a part of the trickle B economics too, right? Rest. Totally. Rest. <laughs> and I really believe in it. And our staff is happy. We are a team that is joyful because we rest we work hard when we're here and it is tiring work we're on our feet a lot we're tired in our bodies but i feel like nobody leaves drained in spirit i feel like we all go home sort of like ah, that was cool and we come mm-hmm. back refreshed mm-hmm. um and we do gatherings as a staff to sort of build you know camaraderie and teamwork and we do fun things together we have bonfires and we do games and we just try to we're a family. It's a trickle B family. Mm-hmm. And everybody who comes through feels that. But there are people that say like, whoa, like, I feel like I'm in my grandma's house or, you know, like everybody's so nice here. We get hugs and we intentionally have these really large tables for our customers. So if you came on your own, you might have to sit at a table near a couple that's eating or a family. And every time that happens, everybody starts talking mm-hmm. <laughs> and laughing and exchanging contact information. So we're watching community form. And I feel like the more that happens, the less likely it is that people will um, see other people as different or as enemy or Mm -hmm. as scary or whatever. I think it breaks down so many barriers just to sit near someone and do the thing we all do, eat. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, what's that quote? You know, you can't, once you know somebody's story, you can't not love them, right? Yep. So that it's seems true. like you're living that. Is that, I heard you, I'm not sure if it was on your website or one of the videos um, that I was looking into, but you referred to what you do there as radical hospitality. Yes. Is that, that is sort a, of? That's a phrase. And radical in the sense, um, I think the Latin word for um, radical comes from the word radix, which means like rooted. So mm-hmm. deeply rooted in hospitality, which makes it kind of radical because a lot of people's version of hospitality is kind of superficial. Like we'll do it so we get your business. Mm. Mm. We do it just because we love people and we want to to remind them that they're worthy of that kind of love and respect and good food and um, a welcome spot. 
um, especially homeless neighbors, a lot of restaurants will turn them out or not let them linger, not let them use the restrooms. Um, I mean, we wouldn't want people just like sleeping on our <laughs> benches inside or something. But there have been times where a neighbor eats and maybe rests their head on the table for a little bit. And nobody complains. You can you can tell that it's someone who's really exhausted and it's just a, a safe space for all people. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, what does it mean? This feels like you're dreaming against the odds a little bit. Like um mm. I was just listening to an 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 uh an interview with Jeff Tweedy, who's a musician. And he was just talking about like we, you know, you have a, a dream that's like this lofty thing that you you probably mm -hmm. won't hit the center of it, mm -hmm. right? But if by having this lofty vision, you can get somewhere that you might not have ever anticipated actually getting to yes. because you have this target. I'm just curious, what does it mean for you to kind of dream in a way that's, you know, really kind of challenging social norms, challenging you know, the expectations people have. I have so many thoughts because I am a dreamer. I'm, I'm a dreamer. And we joke with our board that uh, our board of directors that I'm often out here dreaming and they're like, whoa, whoa, come back down here. Let's talk about funding that thing. Like, okay. So we, we need each other. But I um, just, when we started in 2016, well, 2015, we acquired the space and started, you know, gutting it, renovating. We did all the build out work ourselves for a year. It was a dump. It was disgusting. There were rodents inside. There were spiders living everywhere. It was open to the outside, totally mm. unkept, dilapidated building, like a lot of the other ones in our in our neighborhood. And so when the landlord first saw what I said, you know, I'm going to have this cute little restaurant. He's like, okay, lady, like, you know, <laughs> condescending head pat. All right, you do your little thing. And I think after we opened, you know, he came in the door and he wept. He was like, this is beautiful. And he knew when he bought the building um, that something good was coming. He said he just had a feeling like some really beautiful thing was going to happen in this building. Fast forward to 2020. Um, four years after we were open, we got a grant to buy the building from him. We mm. paid him cash. <laughs> we bought the building and then got grant money to renovate the whole thing from the basement all the way to the roof. We have solar panels that are about to be activated. We'll be off coal. The basement doesn't flood anymore. We had a sump pump put in. We renovated the upstairs apartments deeply, beautifully. I would live in them. And mm. we rent those out. One is a staff member who lives there. One is a friend. And that income small. We we have a very low rent uh, for a two bedroom apartment, six fifty includes um, water. All that pours back into our daily operations. So so being at a point where I'm like, whoa, we we did that. Like we own the whole thing. It's beautiful. We have people living there. We bought the lot next door from the city for five hundred bucks, and we have a wow. stage out there that was built. We have garden beds. We have picnic tables. We have a bus stop that we put up. But don't tell the city. It's not really a bus stop. It's a planter. It's a big planter that has a roof and windows. Because you're not supposed to build bus stops, apparently, in the city. So it's near it's near the bus stop, but it's a planter. I hate to tell you that the city is going to have access to this podcast yes, thing. It's that's public. Right. But that's okay. That, it I might love look like a bus stop. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so it's just really awesome. Um, some of these things are... 
I didn't even know I was dreaming them until I'm in it. I'm like, whoa, this, how did we get here? This is so cool. Mm. Um, partnering with students at MSOE who need building projects for their engineering classes. And usually they build stuff on site and take it apart. And then the next class comes through and they build something to take it apart. Partnering with their professors and saying, why don't you come build something here that we need? And then you can leave it. They got their education. We got something out of it. So those kind of practical mm -hmm. partnerships. But yeah, just being in a, a, a space where I'm looking around like, wow, we're actually thriving. And I'm back here on this call and everything's happening up front without me. I mean, there's a group of volunteers from Goodwill Industries. They're all working. Our cafe managers running the kitchen. Like it could run without me, which is kind of even sad to think. I'm like, I could, I could pass it off at some point and it would just be fine. Like, I am not the face of Tricklebee. Like I did found it. It was an idea that I had, but it's a whole team of people that's helping to keep the dream going. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. who knows, like maybe I'll get a good decade in and pass it off. Maybe there's someone coming up that's like, I could take this on and then I'll go do something else. I have no idea what the mm -hmm. timeline is. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm right here right now and that's where I'm supposed to be and to keep sort of casting the vision going forward. But I'll never mm -hmm. stop dreaming about what it could be. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's why it's such a positive place because we are hopeful. Like we're a hopeful place. And I think the leadership, if the leadership is hopeful, you can't slow something down. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Yeah. It would, would a, uh, I mean, I know you say you have no idea, but is, is there any inkling of like, Oh, Trickle B Cafe mm. East or Trickle B, B Cafe <laughs> so, South. <yeah>. Or <laughs> so many people are not quite begging, but very adamantly wondering if mm -hmm. we're going to do that, like a Trickle B 2.0. It would be amazing. It would be a lot of work, um, mm. but it would be, it's feasible at some point in the future, but not the near future. I think we, now that we're really in a good rhythm here, I think we have like a template that can be used because, I mean, we had to start from scratch. Mm. I had I was taking business classes, how to start a 501c3 classes, how to start a board of directors classes, all through the Wibic um, yep. offerings. And I was going to City Hall with all my blueprints, literally just what they're like, oh, God, here comes that lady with all her blueprints. <laughs> just lay them on the table. I'm like, all right. This is my building and I want to put a bathroom here and I want to put a wall here. What do I need to do? And they're like, okay, go talk to this person over here and this lady over here. So that it's a lot of work to take a building and change it mm. and then to get it going. And then it's the marketing and, um, but mostly the relationship building, you need to be established where you are with the people right around there. Like we know the names of almost everybody, there goes my husband taking out the trash. <laughs> um, the names of everybody in the businesses on our block. Almost all of them eat here or have eaten here. We at least know each other. Um, we reach out to each other when something looks suspicious, like, oh, you have a package on your front step. You might want to grab that. Or there's some sense that, like, you need to be deeply embedded, rooted radically, right, in, in the soil of your neighborhood. And I think that's a huge thing. So if we do move elsewhere, or not move, but you know, offer another setting, we need to be sure that whoever is working that setting is from that area. We don't mm -hmm. want to 
helicopter in from somewhere else <laughs> mm, mm, or or go yeah. somewhere because we think it'll work because it's trendy like this would have worked in you know the river west neighborhood or um east side or tosa you know because it's kind of a cute little thing and it's a coffee shop right so people would come with their laptops but we're not that we're, we're mm. a community cafe mm. so it's a space for people together there might be someone on their laptop but we're not an internet cafe we're not an espresso place mm. like we have a blend of coffee that we serve so i feel like uh, we would just have to be really attentive to that who's doing it where it is and how to how to sustain it mm -hmm. and that's even that's just such a radical concept these days when you know mm -hmm. most people think about business as like oh my you know i, I can have a global audience right mm -hmm. i can i oh. can connect with people everywhere yeah um but it's not really connection right if you don't right <laughs> we i mean we have some i guess we're inadvertently kind of world famous in that we are connected with the Moravian church. So there are Moravians in like South Africa and Tanzania and Nepal, who are friends of mine who follow us on Facebook. So I'm like, Ooh, we got a worldwide audience. <laughs> it's like, it's like my seven friends, right? <laughs> a couple in the Netherlands. Or, um, that's so that's been fun, but we, I mean, we're up, we're getting up there. I suppose we don't have anyone doing um, copious posting on, on the social media platforms. We have a Facebook page that I post on. Um, and we're up to maybe 6,000 followers, which is pretty cool. Used to be like my mom and some friends when we <laughs> first opened, but now it's like we're growing. Um, and other people are being inspired by what we do. And that's, that's exciting to me too, because mm -hmm. maybe not everyone would open a pay what you can restaurant, but you could have a pay what you can salon or a grocery store, or what if our whole block was a pay what you can block? We'd be mm. the first, the first block in our nation to be entirely pay what you can. You know, the mm. knife sharpener, the sexy lingerie shop, the the daycare. Everybody on the block does, has some pay what you can model. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, I don't know. It's possible. So cool. So cool. Yeah. I think you'd find out the generosity of people mm -hmm. just in the way, in the same way you have, you know, I mean, yeah. on a really small, small scale, my kids have a lemonade stand, yeah. you know, on our block and they've found right. that actually they make more money when they say, pay what you want. You know, people come, they're cute. So here, here's a five bucks for a cup of lemonade is, instead of 50 cents, you know? <laughs> it is interesting. There's some psychological reality there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's well, I, I, tell us about Milwaukee. This is a, you know, we, we focus on cream city. That's in, in our yeah. title. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I love that you chose Milwaukee intentionally. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you've come to learn to love about Milwaukee specifically. Oh, it's such a good city. I mean, we are, we're in a neighborhood that does experience a lot of, um, neglect, I would say, even from the city. And so many layers to that. There are a lot of negligent landlords um, in the area who aren't being um, held accountable for their negligence. Mm. There's a lot of broken things that the city could be tending to sooner that they're not coming to tend to as quickly as they would in other parts of the city. So there's some of that happening. But um, we're also close to a, a police station with dispatches all day long. So it sounds like it's a horrible area because there's all these sirens, but they dispatch here. Uh, we have had such a good experience here as a family. I walk to and from work all the time, sometimes in the evening. 
I'm, I feel safe. Um, we take the buses. I feel safe on the buses. Uh, I wish we had more access to groceries in this area. Mm-hmm. So we have some corner stores that say they offer vegetables, but there's like one refrigerator door with some limp <laughs> red, <laughs> like iceberg lettuce and some rotten tomatoes in it. Oh. And that's, that's the vegetables. And so we have to drive from our house or from here at Trick will be like a couple miles in any direction to find good groceries, like real food kind of stuff. Um, so that's one wish I have that we would have more access. Um, but I really think as far as cities go, it is a good city. I mean, isn't that the indigenous meaning of Milwaukee? Isn't it like the good, the good land? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. It just feels like good land. Like we're, and we're right there next to Lake Michigan. And she's just so, she has such a good energy and she surrounds us, right? Like we're, we're encapsulated almost. And the big plots of land that are green space is so unique to Milwaukee. Mm. They're not just parks. They're just huge tracts of land that are forest and river and creek and pond and that um feels so good um it feels like humans need to be close to that to thrive Mm. and a lot of cities just cut it all out and it's all concrete and um i think that's brilliant that the city offers that it almost feels like a bunch of small towns that make milwaukee because Mm. of that separating them out um, the neighborhoods are cool, the, the histo- history of, of these different neighborhoods. And we are in a historic neighborhood where we live here on Sherman Boulevard. Our house is actually registered as a historic home. And I, I think people really collaborate well in Milwaukee. Mm. I don't get a big sense of competition, even among like the vegan foodie people, like people want to lift each other up and give shout outs and um, collaborate together, do things together at events, vending or promotion, whatever. Just feels right. Um, I really like being here. And I love that our kids are here. They're in a good school. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, this conversation has just been so hopeful. I love, (laughs) I, I love what you're doing. I love, everything about it and i'm just wondering does it do you ever get worn down and if if you like how do you lift yourself up on those days when you when you aren't or maybe you don't (laughs) yeah i truly do not feel um like i'm nearing burnout or Mm. that i'm getting worn down in my spirit my body will definitely get tired (laughs) um and i'm you know i'm in my 40s and i'm menopausal now so like i i feel a little more like ooh. This was easier seven years ago. <laughs> right. I could get up on those ladders a little better. And, um, so, uh, but on a soul level, I am so deeply fulfilled. Like I wake up in the morning, like eager, like a little kid. I'm like, I get to go to my favorite place. And um, I don't know what it is. It just, uh, it, it's such a, a magnet for goodness here. There's so much joy. There's peace physically, like in the space people walk in and they're like, oh, it's just like this oasis. You know, you walk in from outside and like, yes. So mm. um, I'm surrounded by that all the time and this this beautiful staff that I get to work with and these fun volunteers, of all different ages and backgrounds. Um, I think it's uh, a dream job for me. And I 
hope other people are as fulfilled in their work as I get to be. Mm. And I really, I mean, I honestly, I don't think I've had a moment where I didn't want to do this work. There have been hard times. Like we've had a few times where someone who was um, either on staff or in an internship role or in a volunteering role, it wasn't the best fit for them here. And those conversations can be hard to say, you know, this doesn't seem like it's working and there's, there's no flaw in you. There's no flaw in us, but there's something that's just not meshing and you know, this might not be the place for you to stay. So that those times have been a little draining on mm. me, I guess, in my soul. Cause I'm like, oh, I want everybody to stay. And, and um, but it's not, you know, sometimes people just um, don't understand the vision to this pay what you can thing. Mm. It's really hard to wrap your brain around. Mm. And some people are like suspicious of it. Or they want to like shame people into like, you know, how much do they give or like, like it doesn't, who cares? Um, uh, or wondering how much people took on their plate, given how much they gave. And I'm like, that, that's, we don't worry about those things. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I am just terribly fulfilled in this role. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. May we all <laughs> find that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I mean, I think, um, what, I, what comes to mind for me is just so much of what you're doing is what we know supports well-being. Eating well, yep. Yep. knowing your neighbors, being mm -hmm. actually connected, mm -hmm. right? That like so much of um, what people in our culture and nation are 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 like um, managing is loneliness. Mm-hmm. And that that has negative impacts on our health, right? So totally, yeah. We we had a staff retreat a few weeks ago, and we we did this exercise where we were talking about hospitality. Like, what does it mean to be hospitable? And let's make a list of like, there's seven of us. What what are the the ways we are hospitable? We all wrote our list. We had thirty things. We were listing them off, reading them out. We read 30 things before someone said, oh, and our food is really good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Like, isn't that funny that, like, yeah. we, we're so focused on the human that we're like, oh, yeah, we're a restaurant, too, and we make good food. Like, yeah. It's almost like the food is um, just a means to get people in the door to, to be nurturing of people's spirits and community. And mm -hmm. that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the other way around. Uh. Love that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what difference every day we make in people's lives, but I think to to come somewhere where people are smiling at you, maybe get a hug if you want one. Uh, we have a free clothing rack people can come look at. Sometimes kids from the neighborhood will come through or homeless neighbors or some people will donate to it. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many ways to sort of enter into community here. And we've had people that come through um, that don't look like they need a pay what you can meal, but have left notes in our bucket saying like, you know, I lost my job and I have nothing left at home to eat. And I knew I could come here. So you, wow, never, you know. never know. I mean, you and they know. look, they look normal or whatever, you know, sometimes people will say, well, where are all the poor people? I don't see poor people eating here. I'm like, well, what do you, what does that look like? Like, yeah, I yeah. think poor, poor means having no friends. <laughs> right. This is a place of friendship. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, if our listeners are are 
inspired to, I hope, come by for a meal for sure, Wednesday mm-hmm. through Saturday, 11 yes. to 2. Um, but if they're also interested in getting involved in other ways, what do you need? How could you use assistance in donations, volunteers? Yeah, we have a wish list on our website. I think there's a tab that says wish list. We try to keep it updated. If you want to buy stuff through Amazon and have it shipped to us, just let us know so we can tell you what address to send it to. Okay. We don't have it come to our front steps because we're um, not always here to receive it and it disappears. So um, if you want to do it that way, just reach out to us or um, you can just buy the things and bring them to us. Sometimes people will go out and pick it up when they're at the store. A lot of the things that we go through on a regular basis are like onions. You know, mm. we use four or five onions every day. We need lots of onions. We will never turn away an onion. Um, <laughs> agave syrup we use to sweeten our our drinks, our tea and our coffee. So those kind of things. Um, cleaning products that are earthy, more earthy things, seventh generation or method cleaning supplies for our floors and bathrooms. Um, those are always blessings. And then we have a snack bag program that we started uh, before we even opened back in 2015. We noticed that a lot of the kids in the neighborhood don't have access to meals outside of school. So we have people contribute um, vegan granola bars and Mm. juice boxes and applesauce little packets or whatever, some healthier vegan things that we could put in snack bags for kids. Um, nice. yeah. And then nice. volunteering, we have a tab on our website. We we don't necessarily want you just to show up if you want to volunteer for several hours or with a group. We want you to reach out ahead of time so we can make sure we don't have too many people in our small kitchen. But we do have openings uh, most weeks for people to come through and help. Oh, cool. In, in okay. the kitchen or with service or cleaning up or whatever. Sometimes gardening things or yard projects or picking up litter. There's so many ways. Yeah, and those kinds of things people could even bring kids along as well if the like if a family yes. wanted to get involved. Yep, if it's a family and the the children are under 13, we have the kids stay out of the kitchen and do like packing snack bags, wrapping silverware, picking up litter with the parent. If they're 13 and older, they could be in the kitchen with their parent. Okay. Um if they're um 15 and older, they don't need their parent with them. They could come um on their own. Cool. Cool. Oh, awesome. And we always ask our guests um, because we want to know who in Milwaukee feels like a woman who's dreaming, dreaming big. Um, so who is somebody that you see as a um, a dreamy Milwaukee woman that you would want to see on the podcast? Mm. There's so many amazing women that I know. I would actually say our cafe manager who I can sort of see out of my peripheral vision here, um, Tiana Trotter. She is a phenomenal woman in many regards. She is an entrepreneur in the food realm. She has a vegan um, catering business called Soulful Kitchen, S-O-L-F-U-L, Soulful Kitchen. Um, She's a mama. Um, She's an artist. She's just amazing. And most of what she creates is baked goods, cakes, cupcakes, uh, but she also is a fabulous chef. Mm, awesome. She has a lot to offer. And she'd be a great guest. Okay. Mm. Super. Thank you. Well, this has been just such a joy. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Mm-hmm. So much. I um this is such a great time of year to think about how to make radical hospitality part of our like everyday and not just a part of, you know, the holiday season, right? Yes. I think that 
we're all reminded of the importance of generosity this time of year. Mm -hmm. And what I love about your vision is that this is every day, every day we can be radically generous and radically hospitable. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some really cool models out there to, to learn from and be inspired by. So thank you for, thanks for being here. Yeah, Yeah. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Don't you just love her? I love this. I love it. I love it. And I, I remember going before the pandemic. So I've definitely been there a couple of times and it, the food was amazing. And this was in the early years. The food was amazing. The atmosphere was just so welcoming. And the, she's right. There's a little kids area. I remember taking one of my boys. I can't remember which one and just had a blast playing in their little, their kitchen. Just such a, such an awesome idea for a community space. Yeah. It's, it really is a special environment. Yeah. And trickleby economics just makes sense. Like people want to be generous. I think when you give them the opportunity, you know, and we all do come with something that we can offer. Mm-hmm. I love that. She, she, I, I can't wait for her book. Christy, write your book. well they have a cookbook they have a cookbook i'm sure there's some intro or some part of it that describes the place but i think you have to go there to experience it yeah totally so listeners 4424 west north avenue so what is that the corner of 44th and Mm -hmm. north wednesday through saturday 11 to 2 oh my gosh get yourself get yourself there have a meal have a coffee drop a 20 in the bucket whatever you can afford drop nothing in the bucket if you can't afford that whatever that's the beautiful that's the point that's the point yeah yeah, yeah I, I really is a mindset shift mm. that I, I it's just a fun thing to think about mm. what if the world operated on a pay what you can model oh, yeah what if uh Tune in next week when we will have another Milwaukee woman living her dream in the cream city and until then Milwaukee keep on dreaming Keep on dreaming. Okay, Milwaukee. Guess what? (laughs) We are spending more money than we have earned via our podcast by getting new music and buying swag. Can you help us out? This is a labor of love, listeners. We do this because we love it. And we also love coffee. (laughs) We do love coffee. And actually, we don't really use the coffee money for coffee. But it's easier to ask for coffee than it is to ask for money. So, will you give us coffee? Would you buy us a cup? If you like our podcast, click the link in our show notes. Or share this with other people. We love that too. Especially rich uncles. (laughs) Or aunts. I should really stop saying rich uncles. Rich aunts, baby. That's who we want supporting the pod. I mean, uncles are okay too. (laughs) We also love reviews. So leave us a review. If you like the podcast, if you love these women, share it, like us, leave us a review. What's your coffee order, Megan? Half-calf, please. I've had too much already. I had a new one that I'm obsessed with, a Shakerado, which I totally thought was a McDonald's drive through order. It's apparently like a fancy Italian shaken espresso with sugar, and it's amazing. Wow. I had it at Vendetta Coffee Bar, so... If anybody wants to buy me one of those or 10, I'm in. Boom. (laughs) Haven't dropped a boom in a while. Oh, I have some fiber for that. (laughs) I entertain us. (laughs) Okay, friends. And that's a wrap. (laughs) 